welcome. This is Living in Freedom. We are at week nine, which is the devil exposed. So I have in the curriculum for the small group and what you're going to do at the end of it, I have like a lot of things laid out in this curriculum for people because a lot of the times I'm just going to get on whatever the Lord's like bringing out when we're talking to the enemy and exposing things. But it's so important that we have like the spiritual laws and layout of what it, what Basically, when I first wrote this series and I was looking at, okay, I want, honestly, I probably wanted to talk about the devil at week one, but I waited and I held back because I was like, okay, I need to introduce this to people and be sweet and talk about the love of God, talk about all the tools. We don't want to go after the stronghold so aggressively like I used to. Let me try to add a bow to this curriculum. So what I did is I ended the series on the the devil exposed, which is, well, not the very ending. The next one's going to be joy. But I was trying to like, okay, sugarcoat the message a little bit before I come in. Because I think back then when I, when I originally wrote this, which was, you know, five years ago, um, I was so afraid to like say the devil or demons or things like that because I knew what it was to be raised in a very conservative church and around conservative people that the word demon, the word devil wasn't acknowledged or talked about a lot. And if it was talked about, there was an immediate tension and fear that would come on people. And I was so used to that, like seeing that. And I still see it on people, but now more I have the personality to poke them and kind of want to see them get weird and uncomfortable. And I do it on purpose because I think people need it. And I think we're too scared to say that word. And what, what the problem is, the enemy likes that we're afraid of it. And I'm not saying like every preacher should come up and just hammer the devil and demons every week. And that needs to be like demon, demon hunting. No, but it needs to be acknowledged. Like I see where it's either talked about that everything in our life we blame on the enemy or it's not acknowledged at all and everything is blamed on God. And I was so the opposite way. Everything I did, like everything I experienced, I blamed that it was God's will, it was God doing this and God doing that. But then what happened when my eyes got open, open to the spiritual realm, open to the things that were going on behind the, 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 the curtain, like behind what I saw in the natural, then what happened, I was like, well, they got a demon, they are a demon. That's a demon, that's a demon, that's a demon. And everything became demonic where I couldn't even acknowledge a person's personality because I called what their issue was a spirit. And so here's the thing. You'll still hear me talk about that sometimes, but a lot of times I'm talking about if I say, yeah, it's a spirit, the spirit is, that somebody may operate in is, is coming out of an issue in their heart, in their soul, meaning that they still are a person that has a, something going on, that they are still dealing with something. It doesn't take all responsibility from somebody who has a stronghold. It doesn't mean that, like, because of the, the idea of deliverance and that people can have a spirit on them operating out of something, there's people that are just going to argue that they, they, they can't. They, that's not possible. Christians can't have that. Those are people that probably will have nothing to do with my ministry. And guess what? You're going to be blinded for a very long time in your life until you get open to understanding the idea of what really is happening in the spirit realm. There's a lot more going on than anybody really understands. And we get to this mindset, well, if we've given our lives to Christ, and I've heard so many people they want to, um, like, argue this topic. Oh, I should have thought of this. I need to memorize this scripture because this is what people try to debate this on all the time. It's a scripture in John, and it has to do with, like, being God's child, the enemy cannot touch you. I believe it's in, like, First John. And this is the one text that people, they, they'll, they'll use, and they'll be like, the enemy cannot touch you, and, the, and this and that. I want to be like, how do you think that there is sin in your life? Do you think you live a sinless life? Do you think that there is nothing in your life that has darkness? So where there is darkness, do you think that there's not anything that is of the enemy there? Do you think that, how, how does God live in a place in your, your life that operates out of sin? 
people don't understand that God can't live in sin. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. We cannot even come into contact in areas with him when there is areas of our life that have been opened up to death and sin in areas where it's so broken. doesn't mean he's walked away from us, but I promise you it's put some guard on the soul that will keep you from intimacy with him. And people don't understand when that area of, of their life gets open, a mindset, a belief system, anything that they come into, that there's a darkness that has the ability to live in the heart or the soul, where the mind is not renewed unto truth. And when the mind is not un- renewed unto truth, the enemy has a voice. And if people don't want to believe that you can deal with a demonic spirit like on you, meaning like it has the ability to be on a part of your soul, your, your mind, your will, and emotions, then let me suggest that it has a voice, however you like to look at that. The enemy has a voice. He has a voice that can get louder than God's voice. Why? Because that's an area of darkness, an area of darkness in the soul. If you think that your mind is fully renewed under truth, do you have the mind of Christ? Do you believe that every area of your life believes truth? So many people, they actually think they're operating in truth, and you're not. You're actually operating in something that is bound but you put scripture with it. And so, I, I mean, I, I've met people that could be so, they, more, they know more scripture than me, yet when they're talking to me out of scripture, they're actually partnered with a religious spirit that's blinding them to the power that comes from the freedom of identifying where the enemy can operate in the smallest distortion of truth, the smallest distortion So many people look at deliverance ministry like, and I'll say this over and over and over again because I want people to get a different mindset in the way they see deliverance ministry. That's what I want to do. I don't always want to be a deliverance ministry. I want deliverance to be an area that I flow in, that my ministry has, because I believe everybody who is called to, like, release the power of God, you're going to deal with demonic warfare. So that should always be an area, but it shouldn't always just be the the one focus. It should just be how the church lives. And so a lot of people, they just look at deliverance as it's the person with a major stronghold. They hear the word stronghold, then they hear that's the person that should go deliverance, this person that's dealing with this over there. I'm like, if the whole body of Christ, no matter the denomination, no matter the church, no matter what you're dealing with, was open to what inner healing is, uh, inner healing is just the idea of going from glory to glory being sanctified. It's the renewing of the mind. That's what inner healing is. It's all what it is because to renew your mind, you have to search the soul. The soul has to be searched. So your beliefs, your mindsets, they have to be searched. And so when it comes to like identifying where the enemy, how does he work? How does he come in in the most subtle? I used to just like nail this. I'd be like, okay, we're dealing with all the open doors, the all, all the spiritual laws of sin. If you want to know all the scripture, I'll tell you all the scripture of how, how pride's an open door, unforgiveness is an open door, how anger's an open door, how rejection's an open door, and like go through all that in scripture. And um, to be quite honest, I think people sure already know that. <laughs> Like, you know, it's like, I'm sorry. Like, if we're, we're church people and we're, we're going to church and we know scripture, do we not know the basics of what's not okay? Like, come on. You know what I mean? Yet, I hear all the time nobody talks from the pulpit that sex before marriage is not okay. I'm like, that's the biggest open door to a soul tie, to the demonic coming into a, to somebody before they get married, to somebody being demonized. Like, dealing with so many things and we're just, the church, we're afraid. We're afraid to touch these scary topics of how the enemy gets in, how he gets into people's lives, that sin is sin, no matter what. 
And I've always been like so afraid, like nailing, nailing the sin or nailing how the devil operates in this sin. But this stuff needs to be nailed because too many times we're like, we're not even, we're like patty caked it. You know how many people I've met that were just like, well, that was back then that you weren't supposed to have sex before marriage. Like that was just back then. Like now that, you know, this is how we live. You, you see people in the church, all, they're all living together. They're living in apartments and before they've gotten married and like doing all this stuff. And I have such an opinion. <laughs> My opinion is that it's not that God like wants to keep us from good things. Like he created us to desire that, right? He wants to protect us. I'm like, if you guys understood what you open in the spirit realm, the door you open when you make covenant with somebody that you've not made covenant with spiritually before God, you break covenant. You break something you haven't made yet spiritually. It's broken in the spirit realm. So basically you partner with the enemy the moment it happens. You partner with the demonic. Thing is, why I'm so harsh about it is because I had such like crap hit the fan in my life from sleeping with a man who was demon possessed, like straight up. I had to see things that other people are just not going to see in the spirit realm. I had to come face to face with what that did to me by opening that door. But I honestly believe God allowed it for me to see so I could tell people. Because people don't see it to the level I had to see it. People don't have the effects that it affected me. And it's affecting it in so many different ways. It's ruining ministries. It's ruining relationships. It's ruining people that are going in to be in ministry, get married, do what God's calling them to do because stuff is open and broken before they step into it. And then they didn't know how to step into recovery because nobody's teaching on it. Nobody's going to help them. How do you restore it? How do you close the door? How do you, because that's the thing. If when we open the door to the enemy and when we break spiritual laws, things that God has placed, do we remove his control? Is that what it is? Because some people, they'll be like, well, you know, God's still sovereign. So if you still, if you do this, this, and this, well, God's will was above it to have this happen. But let me, let me explain something. Yes, God is sovereign. God is in control. God can move and do what he wants. He created us. But he also gave us a word. He gave us his word. And by his word, I believe that there's a covering within what the word says. There's revelation and layers of revelation within the word says, but there's spiritual laws in it. So when spiritual laws are broken, there's things that you give legal access to to the devil, to the enemy. It doesn't mean that God then removes his hand from your life. It means that you've removed your mind and heart and soul and emotions from intimacy with him because you're looking over there. And although you may not realize you do, and you are, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of the things that we walk in and the belief systems we have, it's like almost a, a shifting face of the person that you're talking to deep down inside. And so some people are like, hear them complain and whine about like certain things that's going on in their life. When if they went to the root, it's like, dude, you took a key and opened a door that you should have never opened. Now you got all this stuff coming out, coming into your life, and you want to blame God because of the oppression. You want to blame God because of things going sour. You want to blame God because of this, this, and this. When, when God will deliver you, he will restore you. He will set you free. But when do you direct towards him in love, not in blame? And I'm like, I see, so if, if somebody does make, make and, you know, fall into the bondage, let's say of sex before marriage, whatever it is, whatever the bondage is, 
It's repentance, turning away, restoration, and getting through it. What happens if somebody tries to fix it in the soul, somebody who has sex before marriage gets scared, and they go, I'm just using this as an example. I'm not, I've never gotten to harp on sex before marriage, and I've wanted to, so this is my opportunity. <laughs> I want to go off about it. I'm like, nobody talks about it, and I got an opinion about it. So I really do. I got a strong opinion. And so this is my one video. I should just call it sex before marriage. <laughs> this is my final opportunity to nail this right now. <laughs> I got eight people listening to me. So... Because like, I have, I have this such a strong, because if people understood, I'm like, I'm using this as an example, but this is as anything that we think is candy, and it's okay, and it's acceptable, and we accept it, we accept the lie, we accept the belief, we, we accept the decision, and we walk in it, and we embrace it, and we say it's okay, because we somehow believe it's okay, and when we believe it's okay, it's got to be okay, it's acceptable, but if somebody, you get convicted of something, I'm never coming at it in condemnation. Now there's people that are going to preach it in judgment, condemnation. That's not where I'm coming. I'm coming to bring repentance, repentance to the church. Because when repentance comes in and the turning away comes in, the restoration of power comes in. So it's not like what people do, like what everybody tries to do when they fix, try to fix something because of guilt and shame, right? So what always happens to Christian couples that have sex before marriage, they quickly get married. <laughs> Come on. We all know this. I went to Bible school. I know how it goes. Quickly get married, rush to the altar in four weeks, you know, and figuring out, oh, we're good. We're good now. Nobody knows. Everybody knows, okay? Everybody just figured out what you did. We all know it's a Christianese thing, okay? So, and you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what it was. When, honestly, get before God. That's it. Don't rush to the altar. Just get before God. Let him restore it. Renew your mind and your heart and your soul. Then get in covenant. I'm like, we try to fix things. Oh, we're just going to fix it. We're going to patty cake our own thing and, and feel that we fix it. God fixes it, not us. So a lot of people, we go, to, we go to self-help. We try to fix what we make a mistake in, something that causes guilt and shame, something that opens the door. And then we, in our own way, legalistically, think that we can fix like this problem when repentance brings grace it brings grace. More people get more bound by fixing their own stuff, by trying to turn away on their own. I mean, like, Pam, I'm going to give your example of Dave, okay? People on the camera don't know who this is, so it doesn't really matter. Like the example of somebody just getting, <laughs> somebody getting delivered of smoking. This is, this is her husband, and he just felt like he got prayer. He was supposed to be delivered of it, or he felt like he was supposed to let it go, but he continued to do it, and he was like a few months realizes that he had to make the choice that he could receive the deliverance and he'd been smoking and smoking addicted for years when he made the choice that he could receive the deliverance repentance he instantly got delivered of it could instantly quit smoking he grabbed the grace the grace that was accessible in repentance the grace is, is because here's the thing god is in pursuit of our hearts He's not in pursuit of what you can do for him. He's in pursuit of the heart. He's in pursuit of relationship. Repentance restores relationship. It restores us back to relationship. And so we have too many people who want to fix their problem themselves. They want to hide it. They don't want to identify that they're strongholds. They don't want to identify these open doors. They don't want to identify the things and how it comes into. They want to sweep it under the rug. And what you're going to find out is later in life, Later in life, there's going to be results of doing that, meaning there's going to be areas, maybe it's pride builds up in the person because they have self-success of figuring their crap out. 
Maybe it's um, hopelessness and depression hit later. Anxiety hits their life later because of going through a time in their life where they shoveled and shoveled their own dirt. They didn't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and create new soil, a new foundation through repentance of these things. I'm like, man, if I can just, I've never talked on repentance and sex before marriage. <laughs> I'm like nailing this right now. Jesus has a plan. There's something going on in the spirit to bring repentance to people. And it's not a guilt and shame and a condemning message. It's like bringing the things that are out of the heart that we've tried to fix ourselves, that we try to address ourselves, or we try to cover up with pride, self-success, that God just wants to stir it up and have a people that turn away from the things that hinder them and come to him. And so I, was always, I would always go through all the different things because a lot of people, they don't think they got strongholds. Honestly, I believe, I believe, let's see if I could say this. Yeah, I kind of think a majority of everybody has an element of a stronghold. I do, honestly. I think, you, I think the natural human mind and tendency grasps onto things in the natural human nature, human emotions to, like, protect, create, create value, protect themselves, navigate and do things. And in those coping mechanisms, in those mindsets, in those things is the... Um, opportunity of a stronghold to come in. It's not just the major things like pornography or drug addiction. It really is a stronghold of a certain mindset, of certain belief, a certain coping mechanism, a certain thing that can come in. And some of the stuff, and I'll, I say this all the time and all my stuff, I'm always saying this, it, it goes way, 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 way back, way, way, way deep. And some of that stuff, it's just so hard to get to. And then how people are living these things out in their, you know, their current lives they would never be like, no, I have a stronghold or I need deliverance or freedom. I just don't believe in any of that. And I'm like, dude, shut your demon up. <laughs> Tell it to be quiet. Stop talking to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm really not that aggressive. But it's really true. I'm like, when people get open, this is going to change your life. But they're so afraid of the word. So afraid it makes me so uncomfortable. I'm like, well, here's the problem. I started seeing demons at 12 years old. So I got over that uncomfortability. Some people just don't have to see that. My eyes got open to something very young, and a lot of people never had to see it. So guess what? I got a ministry where I get to teach people so you don't have to see them. How about that? How about that'll be like, hey, it'll help you. You won't have to see them, but accept the word because it's real. Like, I'm like, you're going to accept angels. You're going to accept God and Jesus and angels. But when we know a demon, no, we can't deal with the demon or the devil. And they're so freaky, and I get so scared if it's dark. I'm, and I just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I just take this ministry for an opportunity to vent. Like every one of my messages, my messages like go on a tangent about something I'm pissed off about. It's so great. And I have a mic and I'm like able to do it. Because I've wanted to say this for so long to be people that get all like they get all knotted. And I can see it on their face. Like the moment I'm like, the moment I mention something that's gotta be of a spirit of demon, you could go, <laughs> like I, I'm serious. Like it's like they get like distorted. And I'm like, that's just because you haven't had to see it. And it makes you uncomfortable because you've watched stupid horror movies. Like Emily Rose. Like you've watched these things. You've never had to see it in the natural. So hearing it, you want to believe it's not there. Oh, my good dear, it's here. It is here. Hell is real. Demons are all over the place. And I'm like, when people just be like, okay, it's true. Like it's in scripture. It's got to be real. Like I believe in a God. I haven't seen his face. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? No, you probably haven't seen Jesus. You may have had a vision of Jesus, but you haven't seen him walk in the room. You believe in him. 
Why do you not believe in the other things that are in Scripture? Why do you not believe and see what the enemy has done? Why don't you see the sorcery in the Old Testament, the divination in the New Testament, witchcraft? Like, it's real. And people are just like, oh, I don't like that word. Witchcraft, like, wow, that's like, you know, they don't, like, it totally twists people up. And I'm like, when we get this stuff, like, it's real. It's okay, people. Like, you're, you're claiming to know a God you can't see. You're claiming to believe in something you can't see. Well, guess what? There's other things in Scripture you can't see. And, like, the gift of discerning of spirits, you shouldn't, not everybody's going to want that. Sometimes kind of a crappy gift. I've heard some, <laughs> I've heard some people be like, like, they, I, it was clear they got that gift, and what they were doing was, okay, so have you ever heard of people who, like, uh, clairvoyance? Okay. So people who can, like, they're very sensitive to the spirit. They believe they're talking to angels, and they've got angelic, you know, guides. Okay. Yeah, that's what you have. Okay. And it has horns on them. Okay. Just let me tell you that. That's what I'd like to say. Okay. That's like somebody who has a sensitivity that if they knew Jesus, they walked in the truth, they would have an absolute gift of discerning of spirits. They would have the ability to see into the spirit realm. They would be able to operate out of so much power, be able to see that. What they do, they tapped into the other side, psychics, all those people. They're, they're just communicating with the demonic and whatever else. I don't, I don't really know, but it's not God. It's the enemy. And yet... They'll be like, oh, but it's an angel of love. It's an angel of healing and, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, they have this ability. I believe people even not saved get, get these gifts. Like, they get it. They get the sensitivity in the spirit. Like, if I didn't get saved, I would probably be a psychic. I'm serious. Like, I would probably be able to tap in and be doing some crazy stuff because I started tapping into the spirit realm at 12 years old. I could sense evil in atmospheres. I could feel heavy presences. I could see demons walking around and moving. But because I had this discerning of spirits, I also had to deal with the demonic that was coming after me in my family line, so it distorted it. Every gift that God has placed on your life, the enemy will try to steal it and distort it. Every single one. He will either come in and flip it on you, he will abuse you in it, or he'll make you um, think that you don't have it, like steal it from you. Like the gift of tongues. The number one thing that happens when somebody gets the gift of tongues, well, first of all, it's people that get indoctrinated and believe it's not real and it's not for today, and that's crazy. There's that. That's the enemy, okay? And then there's people who get it, and immediately something comes in to steal it. So I've had people where they can't say it anymore. They only get one word come out of their mouth, or they get a mindset in a, a, about it that it's not okay, it sounds weird, it doesn't make sense, and it's the enemy. And I know because it happened to me, it happened to me hardcore how the enemy tried to steal it from me. And I see that on a lot of people, they'll get these gifts and the enemy tries to flip it on them. I'm like, in every single area, when we get our eyes open, our eyes open to this stuff, there's so much more going on, but we gotta, we gotta know. There's things moving around that is not just the here and the now. Now I got you guys all fired up. Everybody's got to go now to abide. <laughs> I'm ending living the spiritual warfare series because I clearly just went off about the demonic. This <laughs> is what I talk about a lot more in, a, in abide. I think I was waiting to be able to do this because I filtered living in freedom for so many years. And I'm like, for so many years, I was so scared of like denominations and stuff like that, that I know the doctrine and I believe some of the doctrine and I can embrace it and I can be in that. But I know that there's areas that people are like, nope, this is like heresy. It's not okay. So I was so afraid because I know that I know that I know, I know this is truth. When you know that you know that you know something, I mean, aren't you going to come at it like slamming to want other people to know? 
But unfortunately, like we as a church can get abusive with it. We got to be careful what we believe we know, you know. And so I've wanted to be sure that I know that when these topics come up, that it is anointed. It is from God. It is what he wants to tell people about this. And it's not chasing the devil and the enemy in our lives. And so um, people who are individuals watching this video or in small group, you still have a layout of all the open doors, of all the different types of strongholds, uh, scriptures, and I would just suggest in your private time or in your small group time, you're going to go into self-reflection, any areas of, in your life that you desire freedom, let the Holy Spirit minister to you, and then there is a small group prayer of renouncing, releasing any of those strongholds. I'm going uh, to pray. We're going to close. God, I just thank you, Father, um, for this topic, Lord. I pray, Father, that hearts and minds and eyes would just be open to what you have to say, Father, that we would hear you clearly, Lord, that we would hear you above every other voice, Father, that we would be a repentant people, that our hearts would turn to you above any other vice, any other coping skill, any other lie, that we'd turn to you above it all, Father. I just hand this to you, God, minister to the people who are watching this on video, individuals and small groups. In your name, amen.